You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Inside Carolina's Day After Podcast. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Sanders, I don't know how many how many Carolina games you think we've seen collectively. Uh, a, lot. a lot. Yeah, I would guess somewhere in a couple of hundreds, three hundred, four hundred, somewhere there. At least, and uh, quite frankly, that's one of the ugliest I've seen. Carolina falls to Georgia Tech twenty-one seventeen, especially given the stakes. Um, we'll get this rolling on this Inside Carolina podcast, and we'll let Jason join us when he comes in the room. But but your overall thoughts, it, inconceivable. Seems like a word that fits, but then again, we've seen this movie before. Yeah, we have. <laughs> Here's the, the thoughts I have this morning. Um, this is a, a very bad loss, the question. Uh, an unexpected loss, unfathomable, unbelievable, inconceivable, however you want to call it. The question is whether or not it's a consequential loss. Uh, and that has yet to remains to be seen. Do they carry this game and how they played in it over to next week against NC state and carry that over into Charlotte and I think we we can kind of guess what the outcome of those games would be or will be if they do uh, carry this loss with them from from here to there if and and listen I'm not trying to put lipstick on a pig it's a pig it's an ugly pig um, it's a runt pig it doesn't belong in the litter um, but they can still go all the places they were likely to go before this loss. It's not what has happened to them that, that matters for the rest of the season is how they deal with it. Um, that that's my first thought. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. So Mac talked all week about it being a program game. Um, and your column that's about to drop as soon as we finish this, when I can get it posted, um, you talked about all the signs were flashing, and I apologize for the graphics. I don't want to mess it up while we're rolling here. Um, so when Jason joins us, they'll look normal. But uh, red flag, red flag, red flag, trap game, trap game. It reminds me of the Star Wars meme. It's a trap. And sometimes you don't listen. Sometimes you don't get it. And it was pretty clear that North Carolina get, didn't – understand that and, and that's one thing watching this game last night in Keenan Stadium it was just a weird environment um, a weird aura um, and they just couldn't get out of it and I think what was interesting Buck and, and maybe you you saw this or felt this watching it is despite it all despite leading 17 nothing despite Georgia Tech coming back you just knew 
that Drake May was going to do something and Carolina was going to win. I think the players thought that. And until Josh Downs dropped that last pass, I think everybody assumed that was going to happen. Um, and, and that's that's what's the broken part to me watching the game is that's relied on and has been relied on to a tune of 9-1, and one, which is a hell of a season for North Carolina football. But all the worries and all the concerns in all of that reared its head on Saturday night. And then when it didn't happen, it was just the stunned silence sort of treatment there. Yeah, this, this ending of this game, we could have seen this very same ending four or five times this year where uh, North Carolina was coming from behind in the second half to try to win it. Uh, and either the defense makes a, a big stop and uh, Drake May makes a great play like happened or great drive at Duke or uh, Drake Bay makes a great play and the offense scores, and then the defense gets a stop. Uh, Flip-flop those two scenarios accounts for about a half dozen games. And so we could have seen this ending many times prior to in this season. Just last night it came to reality, uh, and that's what I think everybody this morning is having a hard time dealing with. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And Jason just texted me and said he's having little technical difficulties and he'll try to get here. Um, there were a couple things that um, I couldn't quite understand. A, and I want your take, and I definitely want Jason's take on it. The offensive line, Greg Barnes in the game plan said that a guy like Spencer Rowland needed to step up. But the offensive line as a whole, Drake May um, – to me watching it, and maybe I've forgotten, had more pressure in his face last night than he's had all year. First time he's looked like a freshman playing quarterback. Did that shock you, given what – I mean, we knew Georgia Tech was a, was a decent defense. Did that shock you to see how much they were able to get in there, six sacks, um, and probably could have had a couple more? I mean, that I did not see that aspect coming. Well, there's a lot of aspects I didn't see coming, and uh, you know, Jason will uh, actually have probably more detailed information about what he saw in terms of where the failures were. But in my opinion, the, the entire game was a total system failure. Uh, Drake May wasn't as sharp as he normally is. He just wasn't. Uh, receivers did not catch the ball as uh, – reliably as they have in the past by my count if i'm i did it right and i may not have but um of the 30 attempts that drake had he completed 16 of them two were one was an interception and the other one was a in uh uncatchable and 12 other ones were drops that is so uncharacteristic of uh, this team. They they never had that many drops before in a game. Was it the weather? Was it uh, I don't know. They weren't take. I don't know how to account for that. Now the the offensive line didn't play as well. The defensive line I thought played okay, but still, in just about any area, whether you call whether it was the you know Drake May's play, the receivers play, the line play. 
um, <clears throat> anywhere you look, in any area that defines physicality in the game of football, North Carolina came up lacking. They just were not mentally present, and that ended up translating into not being physically present. This wasn't a game about talent at all. Hey, Jason, look who's in the sing- in the house. Just I was up. just saying uh, that in due deference to your expertise in X's and O's, this game was not about X's and O's. It was about uh, – it wasn't about talent. It was about the physicality and the mindset of the, of the two teams. 100%. And I'm sorry, everybody, my, uh, the, the mic setup that I have here, I'm, I'm working remotely at the moment. I'm, in, uh, I'm, I'm not in my usual setup. The mic setup, I was having some serious technical difficulties, so I'm just not going to have it going like normal. But uh, – you're 100% right. Uh, this was this was basically, you know, we've talked about in the past, you you know, you search the schedule to find losses because it's hard to win week in, week out because it's hard to have your team ready to go, like fully ready to go week in, week out. And this was one where it just looked like mentally they never they never really got there. That, you know, it seemed like a lot of key pieces just they all picked the same week to to have a, a bit of a a bit of a uh, letdown. And I think that was emotional. And uh, just in terms of overall preparation, that looked like an ill prepared team uh, and not not on the X's and O's side. I mean, they had opportunities. I mean, you had a one drop on the goal line is a, is a difference in the game. I mean, that's just straight execution there. Uh, and then, you know, two other, you, you've got the two, this game's over if they score on the two red zone drives in the first, in the first half, it's over. And that's just, it's just a straight matter of execution. They got beat up front, uh, in some cases on both sides of the ball. And, you know, this is the first time that Drake may has really looked like a, like a freshman. And, you know, you had some guys that, that didn't, didn't just didn't do what they normally do. And uh, some of that's a credit to Georgia tech winning some matchups. But I mean, I, I think this was just a, uh, a team that was not ready to go mentally and, uh, and emotionally. Yeah. And Buck and I talked about it, it's, it's Carolina football in a nutshell there, but really it's, it's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of teams that have games like this. I mean, TCU, Michigan, uh, USC game, that was pretty epic watching that last night. And if Caleb Williams is not the Heisman Trophy winner at this point, I'm not sure um, they should give the award out. But, Jason, when you look at what you mentioned, just like a total – and Buck and I said it as well – it was total system failure across the board. Even with all the talk about it, from your perspective, how does how does that aspect of it happen? I mean, do you have to stick your finger in the light socket and get it electrocuted for it to click? Um, do the players have to understand, um, that way, or, or is it just something that maybe is a program issue leading into this one that, that Carolina is just not there yet to be able to do what they did and still come out with a win or not do what they did and play like they should have from the beginning. Yeah, I, I think it's, it, there is some some program stuff here. And the hard question to answer is whether this is something that's actually going to get better because I mean, they've been at, 
this coaching staff has been here for a while, but it does take time to really get that culture fully flipped in that respect. So that's a hard, a hard, a hard thing to assess, but you know, this is, how does it happen? Why does it happen? Well, you're dealing with 18 to 23 year old college, college men. And uh, you know, that that's going to mean a certain level of inconsistency. Uh, and, you know, I just think they, I, I often, I don't really like going this direction very often because I think it's less common than, than, than people think week in, week out, but I don't know that they, that they adequately respected their opponent. And, you know, they, they'd been on a, on a win streak. They'd taken care of some teams that are a good bit better than this Georgia tech team. And uh, I, I think things had come easily enough that they kind of expected this would just come easily. And when a few things didn't go right, or, and then you get the first play and it's like, okay, well, you know what this is going to be. And I know we were all thinking it. Yeah. Right. You get the first play and it's like, all right, well, this will be time to, time to uh, get some popcorn. Cause this could be, this could be real ugly. And then there just happened to be a couple missteps in execution as they went on. It's just a little attention to detail as I think they were kind of taking a victory lap prematurely on some things. And like I said, you score one, one out of two of those red zone trips in the first, in the first half. And it's 24 to nothing at one point, 24 to three, that game's probably over, but they, you, you stub your toe there. You, you know, you screw up here with a little, little piece of execution here. You know, somebody gets beat there. And then Georgia Tech just fights, and one team in this just fought, and the other didn't. And this is why we've talked for years on this show about how really being competitive at the like college football playoff level, really being competitive means having enough depth and competition in your, in your program that you win even when, you're, you, you, when you come in with your D game that you win that, that game that's, you know, that's like this one where you come in and you just sleepwalk and they look like they were sleepwalking and you just sleepwalk and you win that one because you're just, everything clicks that much better because you're that much more talented. You're that much deeper. And it's just, it, you can go to the routine thing and, 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 and it works. Carolina is just not quite there yet. I agree with that wholeheartedly. They are just not um, to that level. Um, they are still nine and two with a ton more to play for, um, but let's try to uh, let, let's try to break this down a little bit further, Buck. Um, the question is why. Somebody in the chat said why the system failure. I mean, I don't know if that can be answered here, um, but let's talk about the game itself a little bit. Elijah Green goes eighty yards um, on the first play, displayed some ridiculous speed finishes with 92 yards rushing that it, for me watching the game. Okay. We talked about Drake Mays Heisman campaign and I want both y'all's takes here because yeah, I heard this a lot last night. Carolina was able to run the football um, when they needed to. Now they ran it for uh, five yards of carry 4.9 yards of carry sack adjusted 7.2 yards per carry and I felt like at times, Buck, that they were trying to force feed stats for Drake May. 
Is that just me, or did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, uh, the there have been multiple games during this year where um, it occurred to me and, uh, and apparently concurred to other people, including Phil Longo, that Drake May was just so good and so talented and his receivers were so good that trying to run the ball as your featured part of your offense is just banging your head against the wall. You know, the guy's out there slinging it, uh, completing 70% of his passes and averaging about 10 yards per throw. Why bang your head against the wall by trying to run the ball um, repeatedly? I don't think they went to the the Drake May well any more deeply than they normally do. Um, I'd go back and look at the stats and see, what the breakout in other games were, but, you know, to me, um, the, the, the yard per average stat in this game, you could kind of throw that out cause you're averaging in an 80 yard run in there. Um, so, uh, if they average 4.9 after that 80 yard run, they were probably averaging 1.5 and everything, all the other runs they did. So, um, I, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, but, you know, j- just to finish out the thought about uh, system failure and how this happens and uh, how pe- teams can be oblivious to this, it it's still a question to me. Mac Brown talk, has talked about this all year, all year. He brings it up to the team all year. He gets a list of uh, games that were played on Saturday and talks to the team about, oh, Here's number three, whoever got beaten by an unranked team on their home field uh, by two touchdowns. Do you don't want to be that team? And yet they were still that team. Drake May talked about it being a tap, trap game during the week. I mean, it's not like they were oblivious to the concept that they needed to take Georgia Tech seriously. But when it came to actually doing it on the field, they didn't. They didn't take them seriously, even though they knew they should. So I, I don't know what else uh, Mac Brown and his staff could have done to instill upon them the need to take the game seriously, but they failed to do it. What do you see there, Jason? Uh, I saw you nodding your head in agreement a little bit to me and to Buck, and Buck makes a great point. Uh, I mean, if you look at the stats, 30 passes, 33 runs, if I'm looking correctly. Um, But I was looking, Elijah Green goes 80 yards on the first play, doesn't get a carry in the second drive, or, or, yeah, in the second drive, Drake May, Drake May, Drake May. Um, You get to the second thing, and then Elijah Green immediately goes eight yards on his next carry. I mean, what'd you see there as far as the, the the play calling, the balance there on offense? I didn't really have objections to to the play calling. I do think that they they at different points felt like all right, let's, you know, let's just hand it to Drake and you know, we'll let Drake May do Drake May things. And, you know, that is has not been a a bad strategy this year, <laughs> right? I mean, that that's worked pretty well. 
but we did talk in the in the game plan podcast. We talked. We didn't talk much about the the Georgia Tech defense, but we did talk about the Georgia Tech defense that they are a better team defensively than a lot of people realize. That they've got some guys up front that can give you problems. And the real thing to me is, aside from that eighty, Buck's right that aside from that eighty yard run, you know, you've got nine carries for twelve yards total. Now, one of those is a 13-yard loss on a fumble for bad ball security. And this, this football team, by the way, drives me crazy with how, how they do not emphasize ball security. you got guys carrying the ball like it's a loaf of bread out there all the time. Uh, and it drives me nuts as a, as a former coach because I'd be ripping those guys all the time about, you know, high and tight, high and tight. But you have, you know, you have to factor in that 13-yard loss and a fumble, which I think also impacted – you know, how, how much you trust Elijah Green there at that point. Even if you do, like, really trust him, there's that knee-jerk kind of thing that automatically happens when you have a guy fumble like that. But the big thing for me is they got beat up front a lot in both the running game and the passing game. And Georgia Tech defensively gave them more trouble on the offensive line than anybody else they played this year. That offensive line was not really ready to, to come in and, and compete in this game. Uh, you know, Ely uh, and, and early uh, trying to think of, you know, number six, who is the guy that I, I mentioned in, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the game plan podcast, you know, they got one defensive lineman who looks like he belongs at Bama, you know, that sort of thing. Keon white. That's the guy. Look at that. He, day, had, four, he had four sacks. That, that guy was that dude yesterday. And, they they had trouble handling that against the run and the pass and you know that that affects your play calling too when you're not when you're not really comfortable with with either one uh and i thought georgia tech had a really good plan up front you know they 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 took away you know drake may's been so good this year working you know working within the pocket sliding and you know, things break down working laterally to give himself some time and then throw downfield. They did a great job of pressuring without getting upfield. They compressed the pocket. You know, they, they kind of bullied Carolina's offensive line. And, you know, they had them in, in May's lap uh, where he didn't have natural escape routes. There were no lanes for him to run. They took away – the interesting thing to me is that their approach to defending Drake May was to take away his legs first and then try to compress the pocket and, and get pressure on him at that point and make him uncomfortable without being able to escape. And I thought that was the big difference in the game in terms of him. Uh, you know, he missed some throws early that were uncharacteristic. Uh, the one that I'm thinking first and foremost is the one to Kamari Morales down the sideline that would have been a, a, an early score. I mean, he's wide open and just, flat out missed him. I mean, I, I saw that. I was like, wow, he hasn't missed one like that in a while. And other, other than that, they really, they bottled it up. And how many times did he go to, you know, try to escape one way or another, or try to uh, move up in the pocket and, and run. And there was just nothing there. Yeah. Uh, you talked about their defensive line, Keon white, seven tackles, four solos th credited for three sacks and four tackles for loss. Uh, Micaiah Scott, four, three, and one. Georgia Tech had six sacks, 12 tackles for loss. There's your ball game right there. 
And, you know, that, that's just, they just got beat up front. And at that point, I can't blame you if you're the coaching staff and you're not running the football a bunch. Because when you're getting beat up front, the, 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 the impulse is to throw it a little more, especially when you've got, you know, May there. And I don't think they, you know, you, you read the numbers. They didn't, it's not like they dropped back all that much more. It's just when they dropped back in those cases, they still got beat up front. And then, you know, that, that led to some, some further problems. But to me, offensively, yeah, it's bad to score 17. But this Georgia Tech team, we knew that this Georgia Tech team had a good defense. We talked about that. We talked about that they'd have to actually play reasonably well on offense to score points. But the big issue was Georgia Tech scored 21 points. And that is a bad, bad Georgia Tech offense that had no business, even as bad as Carolina's defense is. You, you, you give up 21 points to that Georgia Tech team. You're not playing good defense. That's, 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 that's a bad outing from the defensive side. So neither side of the ball here played up to even the standard they've been playing at. 21 points given up is worse than the, I think, when they come in, 122nd defensively. Mm-hmm. Giving up 21 points to, to Georgia Tech is more like 130th defensively kind of performance. Yeah, let's talk about Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, because then I'm going to talk about that defense, and then we'll go to you after the break, Buck. But Carolina uh, loses Georgia Tech 21-17. The day after podcast, Johnny T-Shirt's our sponsor. Of course, take care of them. They take care of us. Win or lose, Johnny T-Shirt's your spot for Carolina gear. They've got all the jerseys. They've got all the stuff you need for Christmas. Wonderful online catalog that you can get anything you want to deliver it straight to your door. Get it in there. Christmas is around the corner, which is absolutely insane. Uh, but it's here. And Johnny T-Shirt's the go-to spot for Carolina gear. And they're the go-to spot for Inside Carolina premium subscribers because you get that 10% off. They'll take care of you if you take care of them. And they always take care of us. National guys pay the bills. It's the day after. It's about 828 in the morning. Shout out to the 260 plus that are in here on the live show. We'll be right back. All right, guys. Uh, Buck, I'm going to talk about the defense. Uh, you know, it, when, when you look at how the defense has played all year, you say 21 points. God, the offense has got to win that game. You know, that that's a heck of a show in by the defense. They only gave up 21 points. But to Jason's point, Georgia Tech's offense was brutal. And probably the the biggest WTF moment watching from the stands is this third and nine. And they're going to run the ball. And you run Shaw and Murphy onto the sidelines and bring in your dime package. Um, and they immediately went straight at uh, that package off the right side and got 10 yards to get the first down effectively in the game. What did you think? But watching this defense? Well, a couple of things. One, uh, I remember well last year when Jeff Sims made North Carolina's defense just look horrible. Uh, and he's not in the game. They're, they're working with, what, their third-team quarterback, maybe? Second or third-team uh, quarterback. Jeff Sims is not there, and he's not walking through that tunnel. Uh, their best wide receiver who had back-to-back 100-yard games in the two previous games they played, he's not playing. So it's an offense that is not good. I was going to put it another way, but I'll just say it's not a good offense. 
and is missing two of his key players in, in what they had had prior to coming to Chapel Hill. It's inconceivable to me that um, the defense could play that badly. You know, 21 points, if, if, if and Drake May said this, that uh, if someone had told him that uh, Wake Forest was, I mean, uh, Georgia Tech was just going to end up with 21 points, he'd have counted that as a W. He knew the offense was going to be able to get more than 21, and they should have, which Jason alluded to earlier when uh, they failed in the red zone a couple of times. It should have been touchdowns. This this game should have been over by halftime, uh, but it wasn't. So I, I keep going back to the point that, Yes, the Georgia Tech offense is not very good, and 21 points given up to that offense is not very good defensive play. But on the, at the same time, it's total system failure. And as we talked uh, at the top of the show, that in every area, virtually every area that defines physicality in the game of football, North Carolina was lacking last night. They just did, were not physical in any phase of the game where being physical is is a requirement. Uh, so I still end up in the same spot that, uh, yes, uh, you know, North Carolina's defense should have been done more against uh, Georgia Tech, but, it, I, you, you know, you can point fingers in every direction here. There's no one area that you can point to and say, that was the cause. Jason, what did you see from the defense? Uh, the physicality thing, I think we were all in agreement on that. Georgia Tech guys, when they needed to, mauled Carolina, pushed them out of their way. I'm on both sides of the ball, which is, again, uh, that's a bigger issue, uh, especially uh, the defensive line getting pushed around. But what did you see specifically maybe and, and maybe hint at some of the breakdowns or the video breakdowns that you'll have during the week. I mean, there there were a lot of them on that side of the ball where guys peaking, guys not doing their assignment. But w- overall defensive play for Carolina Saturday night. Well, I mean, the, the physicality thing is first. But beyond that, I'm still waiting on Carolina to cover back out of the backfield. Brutal. I mean – Absolutely brutal. The one right before the half, there was nobody in the screen – there was you nobody the back, on my screen, and I was watching live. <laughs> you got back out of the backfield, and there's there's nobody within 15 yards of him when he when he catches the football going straight up the field. And nobody shows up for about 20 yards after that. Yeah, so th- there were a couple things that went wrong with their with their pattern match principles or or their you know their their uh, coverage communication that just. Oh my gosh, it was that stuff where, you know, even with the lack of physicality, if they had just taken care of business on that stuff, they still win the football game, but you can't be, you can't, you can't be a team that's soft and and doesn't play physical and makes mental mistakes. And they came out defensively and they did both. They came out and they they didn't communicate in the back end. They you know they gave Georgia Tech some just free chunk yardage that was absolutely killer in some key situations. And you know that 
combined with then when they got down into the red zone, they just got pushed around. You got guys that, that, and you cannot tell me that that's a strength and conditioning issue with what I'm seeing. Physically speaking, the, the players look and, you know, all of that, like they should be able to do this, but they just don't play with an edge. And this has been my complaint about this program for a while. You guys know this behind the scenes, especially my, my big complaint is they don't play just consistently. They do not play with the physicality and the meanness that you need from this kind of program, from a program that wants to compete. You've got to have a team where they want, they don't just want to win. They want to choke you out and they want to suffocate you and they want, and they want to humiliate you physically. And I don't see that on either side of the ball, just culturally from this team. And that's the thing that this, this kind of loss, and we've talked about this over and over again, and I've talked about this after wins. So, you know, this is not a piling on thing just on the loss. This team has to figure out how to get the competitiveness and the physical, the physicality worked into its DNA. Cause they, you know, it, it, the, the, the book on Carolina for years and years and years going even back into the nineties, you know, and, and, before that, you know, I wasn't really paying all that much attention, but has been, you know, Carolina, Carolina's a finesse program. And they, they looked like it on Saturday. They've looked like it multiple times this year. And that's been one of the big problems defensively at times has been, you, you got to play with an edge and you got to play with a chip on your shoulder on that side of the ball, not to get pushed around. Yeah, I mean, and there are several guys that play that way. Said Gray, Power Eccles. Uh, I thought Storm Duck played well yesterday. Storm Duck uh, played a great game. Yeah, I mean, he is he has come around. I mean, it's just fascinating to watch his um, turnaround here in the, in the last few weeks. And that was a that was an interception that he made, Buck. That we haven't seen watching Carolina too terribly much lately, where a defensive back not only breaks on the ball, but just basically takes it from the wide receiver there. Um, but on the whole, they didn't have that one play as a, as a group. There was not that one play that covered up all the other bad, like last week against Wake Forest. Uh, they didn't have um, – there was no interception to uh, sort of wipe away the, the three or four just awful plays. But talking about the culture, you've been watching this a long time. I have too. How does that change? Because because 96, 97, 98 teams, they had it. And there have been some cases where they've had it um, in fits and spurts over the last two decades. But but where's the correction there, Buck? How does that get into the DNA of Carolina football like Jason talks about? You know, I, I we've had this debate or discussion with uh, defensive players over the years a lot of times and uh, former UNC players and typically they'll mention a factor that you, you have to wonder where it's been. Uh, and that is when a defense sees one of their players, a defender just get nasty and, and, make a heck of a play with physicality 
they, they begin to try to emulate that. It's a contagious thing. You need one or two defensive players to step up and get physical, get mean, um, and and then you'll have those followers uh, on the defense that will try to emulate that guy or those couple of guys. And and where the leadership has been missing, you know, um, Vahasek, I think they miss him a lot. Uh, not just from his, you know, stats, you know, getting tackles or this, that, and the other. He had that mean streak in him that, other defenders could emulate and copy and, and try to um, make their own impression on the defense. And, and I, I do agree with uh, GA Hill and you guys um, in the comments that uh, storm duck really continues to look good. And I was had this conversation with somebody yesterday at the game, but, Storm Duck's improvement arrived when he made one heck hellacious hit on a guy during the game. He just knocked the crap out of somebody a couple of games ago, and he's been playing great ever since then. That gave him the confidence in his own physicality to play well. Um, and more UNC players on the defensive side of the ball need to have that moment a Bracey Walker moment that when you hit somebody, folks in the upper decks can hear it uh, over crowd noise. So I think you've got to have one or two players that set the standard. They talk about standards all the time uh, on, on defense, make those kinds of plays for others to emulate them. And then it becomes contagious and the defense begins to adapt it as, as part of their persona, their, a cultural persona. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let, let's talk. And people in the chat, somebody asked them, why, why all the negativity and all? Well, they lost. Um, <laughs> you know, so we need to, you know, losing is not a good thing. Um, and how they lost is definitely a, a discussion. But, Jason, uh, finish out Buck's point there, and then I do want to talk about where it goes from here. So uh, the other thing that I think needs to be considered here and this is this is about building program dna is it's not just about a guy doing that in a game becoming a physical program becoming a physical team is about the habits you cultivate and practice in practice and the habits that you handle day after day teams become physical mean football teams in camp and in spring and my, my impression just in general across college football is that there's been, you know, this is going to turn into in my day, but, you know, to some degree that's inevitable. Uh, in college football, there's become, there, there's come to be more of an emphasis on staying healthy. And there's good reasons for that. Uh, there's also all the concerns about concussions and all that, and there's good reasons for that. Uh, but you have to, this is, the, and this is one of the hard things about being, being a coach in today's game is you still have to strike the balance of this is a physical, this is a violent sport. You can't, you, you can't, it, it's not football. 
if the violent aspect of it is not there. So you can try to keep your guys healthy. You can try to work, you know, make sure that you, you minimize concussion risk and all of that, all you, all you want, but you have to play with violence and that has to be practiced. It's not natural to run full speed at a grown man who's running full speed at you and try to light him up. That is not a natural thing to do. It's just not, we're not wired as people like that. That's just not what most of us are, no, are, are not naturally going to do. So you have to actually cultivate that in the times of the year when you're not in season, when you're not in game and, you know, prepping for games. And then every so often you, you, you do, you know, hit maybe a little bit more, have a more physical practice. But my impression, you know, I, you know, a lot of teams just don't, don't tackle anymore in practice, you know, uh, and Carolina's sort of in the norm there for the most part. Uh, my, you know, my, my thing is at some point during camp, you have to say, you know what, we might get some guys banged up. We might even lose a key guy or two. But we've got to have some periods where we're cultivating that that violence, that nastiness, with some you know, in the uh, uh, you know tight zone type type drills where that's the focus, and and that's something that again I think they need to think about going into into the into next season in terms of prep of going to need it's going to need to be a fit a more physical camp. Yeah, I don't – I mean, there's a there's a line there and there's a balance there. Um, and I agree it's not a Carolina issue. It's th- there are teams that play that way, but it's a cross-the-board deal in college football. Look, Carolina's 9-2, Buck. Um, you know, the national critics are going to say, aha, this is what we were talking about. So they got their red meat, and it appears that some folks that have been waiting for this to happen got theirs as well. Drake Mays, Heisman deal, uh, I've read that it's over and all that, and maybe it is, probably is. But Carolina's still 9-2 and two with NC State coming on Friday. Uh, who knows what the weather will be at that? Doesn't matter. It's going to be a physical, nasty football game. Still a lot of goals out there. But is this a – and I say it because – and I doubt it myself because I've watched Carolina football so much. Um, but is this a wake-up call maybe for these guys? And, and perhaps – the egg happened a week earlier than everybody feared and they can use that as motivation. I mean, it's got to be the takeaway, right? Well, that that's a, a one way of how things can go. The, the thing that concerns me and not to be incredibly negative, which typically I'm not, but did, Georgia Tech and uh, did Georgia Tech's approach to the game provide a blueprint to um, NC State and to Clemson? This is the formula you need to use it to beat the Tar Heels. And how does North Carolina respond to that? Can they develop a counter to uh, the things that Georgia Tech did? Can they can they discover how to cover a running back? out of the backfield, um, you know, in a game week shortened by a day. Those are the questions that are most important to me. Now, I don't think North Carolina will emotionally have trouble getting up for the NC State game. Uh, That that has probably been an issue 
in some of those games, but mostly it's not. Uh, the question is, are they going to let this game, this loss, lead to other losses? Um, and I think that's going to be the question for Inside Carolina and its staff and as well as uh, the UNC football team is how that's going to play out over the next six days. Yeah, Jason, what's the takeaway? What's the positive takeaway you see here? A lot of people are assuming Carolina's going to go 9-5, and five, finish 9-5. and five. Uh, You know, I, we all, in the back of our head, thought, where's this game? And like Buck said earlier in the show, there have been plenty of opportunities for this game to happen, and, and it didn't. Uh, but now that it's passed, we're, what are the positives you can draw from this, not only as a – as a player, but as a coaching staff uh, to sort of ensure it doesn't happen again, especially not given what's at stake here in the next couple of weeks. I don't think there are any positives for this. Get it. Tell us. <laughs> I just don't. I, I don't think there are any, you got, you can try to, you can try to find ways to make, to help this improve you as a football team moving forward. Sure. You put that tape on and just let them watch it. You know, you, it's one of those scenes from like Clockwork Orange or whatever, where you, know, you just have their eyes open and just make them watch that tape over and over again. You know, that, that, that'll do for some of that. But you lose to a team like Georgia Tech that, that doesn't have a head coach, hasn't been able to complete passes on air, hasn't been able to block anybody, for the you know for the full season you lose that game there aren't positives that's not there, there's no positives to take away from that now there's some stuff that 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 they that did get exposed on tape that you're going to have to go to and go well we better get that fixed now and i think you named a couple of them and and i i do i will be startled if we don't see basically the same defensive blueprint from from both nc state and clemson because both of them have the defensive lines. Both of them have better defensive lines than, than Georgia Tech. And they're going to basically go, oh, okay. So if we mush rush and we just try to compress the pocket, then we can make him uncomfortable and, uh, and, and keep him from beating, him with the, beating us with his legs. And then on top of that, we just play over the top so that they can't get, get downfield. They can't beat us deep. And force them to 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 do stuff in 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 the uh, uh, in in that intermediate area, and then just come up and hit them. So no big play. Don't, don't give up big plays downfield, and then just compress the pocket. We'll see if they can, you know, see what they can do. Then They're, that's going to be the, the 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 recipe for everybody moving forward. Now it's easier said than done, but Carolina's going to need to run. Going to need to run the football, and they're going to need to be able to to. Uh, catch the football more consistently if they're going to be able to win in those games against that, that approach. Cause again, NC state's defense is a good bit better than Georgia techs and, and Clemson's is quite a bit better than Georgia techs. So yeah, there, there's no putting lipstick on this pig. It's, it's, there, there, there are no positives. There are plenty of things that it tells you you need to work on, but I'm, I'm not taking any positives away here. I got nothing left, but you got anything left for this pig? Uh, I think I think uh, Jason said it very well, and as as we've said many times during podcasts like this, we've plucked the feathers off of this turkey. 
So <laughs> time to move on. Speaking of turkeys, it is Thanksgiving week. Uh, so that'll adjust the Inside Carolina podca- podcast schedule a little bit. We'll have VIP tomorrow. We'll have Letterman article coming up um, tomorrow morning as well. We've got uh, basketball today in, in three short hours, three hours and 10 minutes. Um, plenty of coverage from that. Uh, we'll have On the Beat live. We'll have the game plan live early in the week. Um, shout, uh, Jason, we're going to try to do it Wednesday night, if you can do it. NC State on Friday at 3.30. Um, Carolina basketball tournament out in Portland all week. Just a, a insanely hectic time for Carolina athletics and for the Inside Carolina staff. Um, I can assure you that Inside Carolina staff can handle the assignments and there will be no busts um, on the back end or the front end covering Carolina basketball and football. And also shout out to Nia Satterfield-Brown doing the UNC women's um, notebook every week. That is a, a solid team there. Jason Buck, Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Thanks, fellas.